Hi, this is Jay Abraham, and I just completed one of the most fascinating, stimulating, and enriching discussions and interviews of me that I think I've ever done. And I think that you would be uh, enormously enriched and benefited if you're an entrepreneur or a professional. But it really impressed me because the caliber of perspective and questions she asked and the insights that she offered are very fresh, original, and I think uh, enormously powerful. So uh, for what it's worth, I encourage you to consider it. Thank you. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a really good friend, mentor, and my coach, Jay Abraham. Jay the $21.7 billion man and highest paying marketing consultant and proven business leader and top executive coach in the United States. As founder and CEO of the Abraham Group Incorporated in Los Angeles, California, Jay has spent his entire career solving complex problems and fixing under performing businesses. He has significantly increased the bottom lines of over 10,000 clients in more than 1,000 industries and over 7,200 sub-industries worldwide. Jay has dealt with virtually every type of business scenario and issue. He has studied and solved almost every type of business question, challenge, and opportunity. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I am so excited for you to hear my conversation today with Jay. This is going to be a phenomenal one, and I'm excited for you guys to get to know him like I've had the honor and privilege to do. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business, in your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that will lead to a personal phone call with me to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Hey, Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you. And it is my honor. Let's see if we can um, transform the thinking of your audience. Well, I look forward to it. And I am very confident if anyone can do that, you can. <laughs> You're flattering. Okay, let's take off the gloves and do it. <laughs> you know, I shared, I shared with them before you came in that, uh, that you are my mentor and my coach and that I'm really excited for them to get to know you. And that's kind of where I want to start this. I really want them to get to know the man behind the man, because 
you are a you are an, an anomaly. You just mean business about business and help people really build success. So can you share with me and with them how you've managed to create the level of success for so many different businesses and industries? Sure. I think it is a duality of let's call it attributes, Stacy. Hmm. One is as I progressed in my career and I was able to discover higher performing possibilities in a broad spectrum of areas of a business's revenue system, I would look at, at businesses, companies, entrepreneurs, professionals, startups, and hurt for them because they were accepting a fraction of a fraction of the outcome, the yield, the profit, the joy, the impact, the contribution they could make. And so that was one driver that I was obsessed with helping them get more out of all they did uh, for all they were, were, were uh, uh, serving. And then secondly, I was hopelessly curious. So my whole life was uh, unhedgingly open to discovering how all kinds of different industries work, their models, their strategies, their positioning approaches, their distribution channels, the economics of that business. And I was able to take the integration of those two parallel universes, I think, and they converged into an insatiable and an incessant driving desire to make constant compounding impact on people. And I think probably partially out of contribution and benevolence and partially out of fear of becoming uh, atrophied and irrelevant. I just kept growing and compounding as I got older. I'm not as technologically sophisticated, but I have been very blessed in my ability and my willingness to keep understanding all the expansive ways business keeps evolving. And I think I've been a pretty good emissary of that insight to people that don't have the benefit or the privilege or the expanse of experiences that I've had. I don't know if that answers the question. No, no, it does. Absolutely. So, so, you know, through your journey of, of the, the many businesses and the many business owners that you have met and helped through the way, what, what's the common denominator you see on a continual basis that, that creates success? Yeah, well, I mean, I can say something very uh, sobering. I've had influence over millions of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I have hundreds of thousands of success stories, which is the good news. The bad news is there's a gap between how many people do anything and how many people get exposed to it. Yeah. And so that's a big, it's a big uh, concern to me. So the first thing that I think is important is you have to be open-minded to alternative realities. You have to be aware that uh, breakthroughs don't normally come from inside an industry, they come from without. You have to be willing to re-examine what you're doing from a more nuclear um, point of view than you're probably used to. And mm -hmm. then you have to have a willingness to experiment, to a prejudice towards 
action, a predisposition towards implementation, execution, and and uh, and fluidity and flexibility, and you have to be totally collaborative. Mm -hmm. you, it, and and you you have to be able to transcend, Stacy, the stigma of of allowing expertise to be nothing more than intellectual entertainment. That mm -hmm. happens too much. You got to say, I'm going to do something with this, and if it's overwhelming, I'm going to at least take one part of it and do something with that. Mm -hmm. And and then you go from there, and you and you keep doing it. But I think uh, there's a quote which is a little bit start, startling, but it's it's true. More is accomplished in life through movement than has ever been accomplished through meditation. And I don't dislike meditation, right? But I like people that do shit, right? Yeah, you got to say I'm going to do shit. I mean. Uh, Everyone has, there's nobody that has more than 24 seven. There's you know, some people that have a higher IQ, but that's a rarity. Most people aren't dunces and they're not geniuses. They're somewhere in a band in between and that's who you're competing against too. So what defines your superior success is how much more effective, optimal, uh, strategically you use time, opportunity, access, capital human capital you know all those things that if you're not willing to learn how to get higher and better yield out of everything you do then by default you're accepting mediocrity right right you know it's 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 crazy you bring up uh movement and action versus meditation so many people fell into that whole secret concept you know the law of attraction and yes. one of the biggest things that they failed to realize was the action part was always left on the cutting room floor yeah well that's what happened i was interviewed for it i didn't like my answers <laughs> it was not you can't just manifest it it is helpful mm -hmm. it does predispose your mind but without the action co coefficient very little is going to happen. I mean, you can manifest certain opportunities, but even the opportunity, if you don't take advantage and act on it, is useless. Right. You know, I really think it has has more to do with with the concept of focus because our energy goes where our focus flows, yeah. and when we focus on what it is we don't want to happen, well, well, that's where our neurology is facing. When we focus on what it is we do want to happen, that's where our neurology is facing. And I really think that was the message the law of attraction or the secret was attempting to deliver. However, so many people got caught up in the ethereal part of yeah. wishing it to happen. I, I'll never forget, I'm just writing something that I got out of what you said, I want to remember. I'll never forget, Stacy, that I had a negotiation going on right when The Secret came out with somebody that had about a, a $5 million business. They were trying to grow it to 20. And we were this close to closing. And then The Secret came out and they said, you know, I realize I don't need you. I can just, I can just envision it and it's going to happen. <laughs> and, and I went, okay. And they never did, of course. They they envisioned all they could, but nothing ever happened beyond that. And I think their business uh, eroded. But it's it's uh, it's very interesting. I think using a, a play on it, the secret is there is no secret. Yeah, it really isn't. I used to have uh, a couple people come to my seminars, and one was a very prominent person, 
And he did a, a session called Wrestling the Bear to the Ground. And his analogy was, you have to understand higher performing ways to do things, but there's a process. You have to do it every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't do it one time in this. I mean, we don't get up in the morning and today we're going to go to the bathroom and we're not going to do it for a week. We don't get up and only shower once and not do it every day. We don't not, you know, uh, eat and, 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 and take nutrition. We don't really only work one. Well, some might if they are four hour work week, but most of us don't really work one little segment and that's all we do unless we're very blessed or we're, you know, we're, um, you know, we're trust fund babies, but, but if you understand that we make life far more intimidating than it has to be in business, it's really, it's, it's simple, it's obvious, you know, there's certain drivers that produce, I mean, there's, if you think about it, everything in life, it's, it's really, it's almost physics, it's really action, reaction, it's expansion, contraction, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are drivers, there are factors, forces, elements, principles that either you control, they control you, and, and their decisions you make or don't make, their, their actions you take or don't take. It's, it, when you extricate yourself from the morass of over-intimidation, success in any facet of a life, business, career, health, unless you've got some uh, rare abnormality that is, you know, just that is an act of God. That's two or three percent. The rest of it, you have control over that destiny, whether you want to exercise it or not. Yeah, you know, so many people fail to realize that they have a choice in everything. They can either respond or react, and depending right, on that, and and depending on which choice they make, they're either going to end up with reasons or results. I love that. That's really great. I like I like your nomenclature. Oh well, thank you. You know, I um, I I I've, I I too have worked with thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs. Of course, not at the level that you have, which is I believe that that when we want to elevate our life, our person, our business, our our impact, we always we always take we we always connect with a mentor and a coach to help take us to the level we want to go which is why I, I embarked in my journey with you. Thank and, you. And, and, and the one thing that, that I've realized with working with so many entrepreneurs is they let that if in life, you know, life is spelled out really easy. We live, there's the if, and then it ends. So <laughs> it's that if in the middle. I love this. It's really <laughs> interesting. I, I love you. I love your 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 philosophy and your ideology but it's true i mean it's very i mean but you're reducing it down it's really it the complexity is really elegant simplicity isn't it yeah yeah and 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 for me that the more simple we can make the journey through life and the journey through success the easier it becomes people just choose to make it hard and when you realize that if that 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 happens it's an opportunity for us to, to take in more tools that we've never had before to grow and evolve so that we can now respond to different scenarios we've never been exposed to. However, so many take part in being 
um, I'll lovingly say a victim to them instead of allowing their neurology to evolve so that they can become a victor over something and grow through it. No, I, I think that's very beautifully articulated. I agree. I mean, and, and to me, the tragedy is literally that so many people could have so much more uh, yield, result, uh, Mm -hmm. payoff contribution out of what they do and who they do it for if they looked at their roles and their and their rationale differently and there's so much more you could get out of everything and that's been sort of the denominator of my life is how much more can a business person get out of from for others first themselves second because you really are rewarded in life Stacy, for the problems you solve and the opportunities you make possible for others. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's multiple, there's multiple directions I want to go right now. I am beyond excited because working with you uh, has, has really helped me elevate the way I think and process. And, you know, people used to tell me all the time that I think differently than most. When I met you, uh, you know, I always carried a badge of honor that I was capable of thinking outside the box. And when mm -hmm. I met you, I realized, wow, you think outside the universe. Mm -hmm. So I, I really look to be able to expand my ability to think outside the box. And, you know, two of your strategies that I'd really like to talk about right now, first is the relational capital. And second is preeminence. And uh, the reason why I'm lumping them together is because I, I think they go together and I think they also stand alone. But one common denominator I find that impacts the ability to leverage both strategies is the itty bitty shitty committee. I think people's voice in the head, their bully in their brain really prevents them from showing up and leveraging relationship capital because they show up needing a sale instead of instead of wanting to serve and i think that that itty bitty shitty committee shows up with preeminence to the point where imposter syndrome kicks in and disallows them to really leverage that strategy so i'm curious as to what you think about the bully in the brain yeah that's very interesting well i think that people don't understand that and I found this to be true on a worldwide basis. There's always going to be somebody else who truthfully has more to gain than you do by seeing you achieve your goal, but you've got to figure out who they are and they don't always perceive it. So you have to help them see the connection. Hmm. And that takes a belief in a bigger uh, and and more uh, and more auspicious purpose to your business life. If all you think you're here for is just to basically, you know, make some money and 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 transact some business, and you don't feel that whatever you do in the category you do it is going to make a better impact, and your being behind it is going to make that outcome superior to the alternative that. The buyer would get from buying that generic commodity from someone else or an alternative reality then you uh you're you're down for the count but if you realize that then you, you then i mean it changes everything if you say i have this 
I have this purpose that transcends just making money. Hmm. I'm here to make the biggest difference I can in the most people's lives I can. And I have to reach them by as many different mechanisms because if all I do is what everybody else does, plus or minus 20, 30%, I'll be better or worse. And I won't be able to realize my destiny in behalf of others. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. So, so let's, let's talk about preeminence. Sure. Okay? Yes. And one, one thing that, that I'm, I'm most passionate about is, you know, when I, when I started out being a content creator and impact maker on my journey to really help and serve entrepreneurs, uh, imposter syndrome is, was real for me. And, and I, I converted an environment to where I became a really big fish in a really small pond because I knew I was good at what I did. And I knew that I had been studying this for 30 years and, and that I truly was the, and, and am the resident expert in what I deliver. And for that reason, I have now risen to an occasion to where I have served thousands. And now this little guppy is swimming out into the ocean, attempting to be a bigger fish in a bigger pond now. What's your advice to someone who, who has served the strategy of preeminence and posturing and making themselves the expert and now looking to expand their footprint? Well, I mean, if you are committed to being seen in the eyes of your target market as the most trusted advisor, the only viable solution they could choose, uh, a provider who uh, transcends anything even comparable to the commodity equivalent, and you've done very well doing that at a certain level, you owe it to yourself you know, to raise your game, because usually we don't come close to, uh, to challenging and, uh, and, and realizing the potential inherent in our opportunities. You know, mm -hmm. we, you know there's, 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 there's two, it's almost polar opposite. They're the people that set their sights so high that they try to pole vault the first time and they fail, they miss the mark. And then they're the people that want, they, they, they're content to be big fish, little pond, and they never uh, transcend it. And, and what happens is I don't think you can realize your fullest dual potential. One is as a contributor, as a value creator, and the other as, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a, a viable uh, force and factor for yourself if you don't keep stretching. I mean, uh, there's an adage, you grow or die. And I was talking earlier about um, physics, you expand or you contract. Yeah. There's no such thing as static. You don't stay at that place. If you don't try to grow, grow yourself, grow your business, grow the market you serve, grow and elevate yourself to a higher level, grow the product service offering, grow your own understanding of your, your field, then by nature, you're regressing, aren't you? Yes. Okay, yeah. When you're not staying like this, you can't. It doesn't no. exist. 
Nope, universal laws, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. There's always movement in life. Yeah, and I think if people get that, it's very liberating, mm -hmm. exciting. I mean, if you say, okay, it isn't anything more than physics. Right, no, I absolutely agree. When you look at success, when you look at sales conversions, when you look at uh, impact creation, it is. It's, it's, it's the law of sciences. It's not an art, it's not a talent. It is all science. Yeah, and I think that that makes it, 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 I always said people when they think it's art, think it's complicated. When it's science, it's teachable, it's learnable. Now you may not be as good as someone else, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it's a, you know, it's, 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 it's as if saying, okay, an engine will drive a car, whether it's an engine in a Mercedes or a Kia, <laughs> okay? Yep. You know, a, a uh, you know, a water and sun and fertilizer will grow, uh, will grow plants, whether it's a, a, a dandelion or an orchid, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so if you understand there's foundations to everything and it, it demystifies the intimidation factor. And I think that we feel, and I've heard the imposter syndrome mentioned a bunch of times this week, so it's interesting. We feel inauthentic when we don't feel deserving. But if you look around life, sometimes I, I do things to uh, to negate that uh, that toxicity from pervading myself. I look at people who have achieved greatness, and I look at most of them have not just started out being great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were just ordinary people who figured out how to become extraordinary by a differing mindset. I have a, and we might have talked about this. I have a, a colleague who's arguably the number one energy doctor in all of North America, maybe the world. Very impressive man. This massively gifted expert, and I talk all the time about two parallel universes. One is the effect that literally physics has on a, on a performance of a life, a business, a career. And the second is that in life, there are people that are deemed forces of nature, but we believe it's not that, it's that they've just understood how to harness forces in nature. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's a very big distinction. When you understand that there are forces in nature that can drive greater achievement, greater uh, greater joy, prosperity, health, happiness, impact, then it's just a matter of, of really harnessing and, and, uh, and fueling it as opposed to thinking, well, I'm never going to be more than this because I don't have a greater IQ or I don't have the resources or I don't have this or that. And that's bullshit. If you look at the majority of self-made successes, mm -hmm. they didn't start anywhere close to where they're at now. And why they and not you? And the only reason why they and not you is when they got to a way station in the progression of their life, they didn't look at it as the end. They just looked at it as, as you know, a refueling part to the next leg 
of the progressive journey of a life or of a, of a relationship or of a business. And I, I'd like to expound on that. Uh, a few minutes ago, you dropped one of the most important F-bombs that exists, and that's failure. And I think not only do they get to a point that they, real, that they realize is just a refueling point, they also look at failure differently than most. You know, one of the things that I've noticed a lot with entrepreneurs is, you, you know, we've all heard and said the old adages, failures, feedback, failures, learnings, uh, failure uh, can make us fall forward. Um, I say all that to say, I think so many people have missed or lost the foundational meaning behind it. And they're now carrying it around as a badge of honor. Yeah. They're now carrying it around as, yes, I failed. I've done my due diligence. I failed. And they don't realize that they're not adapting or growing from that and taking the feedback and applying it. They're just wearing it as in, yep, I lost a million dollars or I have a million dollar PhD. And, and that badge of honor is actually really dangerous for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I think that uh, most people, they, they delve and they grovel and they, and they cling so hard to that. And either that, either they, it's a, it's a permanent deterrent or it's a rationale for why they aren't progressing. And neither of those, as you say, are healthy. Let's move mm -hmm. on. I mean, there's no, so it, it, one of the things that I think is, is profoundly important is that most business, uh, let's, we, we won't even use the word failure. Most non-successes in business can be mitigated about 80 to 90%. Most people don't realize you don't have to go all in on anything if you can first pre-validate something mm -hmm. and, and assumption product service market location there's all kinds of things you can do before you end up you know compromising everything and getting devastated but if you realize that controlled risk is how great wealth is created isn't it yeah absolutely but it's only created if you if you optimize the winners, <laughs> you don't just go, oh, geez, I lost. I mean, and if you control your risk, you can lose experientially and experimentally many times to get the winners. But when you get the winner, if you don't do anything with it, it's a pyrrhic victory. So you got to really understand you're all, we're all playing a game, but you can't win the game if you don't know the rules that govern it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think we're all in this game of life. Yeah, and whether you, whether you decide you want to you want to play to win, decide you want to play to lose, decide you want to sit on the bench, mm -hmm. or decide you're going to be up in the stands eating hot dogs and beer and dripping mustard on yourself, being a voyeur, never really getting into the you know into the foray. It's you have control of all of that, and most people. They, they have imposed such limited governors on all they, they, they can be for reasons that make no sense, actually. Yeah, agreed. Uh, absolutely. You know, and when you add into it that 
that they they really most who aren't on the path of what it is they they project or desire is because they fail to realize they actually are controlling not only the journey they're also controlling the end result and the destination yeah and and but there's a Stephen R. Covey, the late Stephen R. Covey, mm-hmm. had a really simple concept. Start with the end in mind and reverse engineering. Yep. If this is where you want to be, at least at this freeze frame point of life, you might change and evolve and expand. What has to happen, you know, to get there? Not just hope and dream. I mean, this is true. Uh, I, I used to do very large seminars and we would make the declaratory statement that 95% of all entrepreneurs never reach their goals. And the reason is they don't have goals. They don't have concrete goals. They have abstract aspiration. I want to make a million dollars or I want to retire uh, 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 independent, but they don't have any strategy that is very concrete, reverse engineered, monitored, adjusted, uh, compensated for to get there. Yeah. And so they don't. And yeah. then you go, oh, I failed. Oh, my life has been anticlimactic. I mean, it's your life is literally whatever you want to make of it. And you can change it in a heartbeat. You yeah. can't you can't rewind, but you can reset anytime you want, Stacey. Yeah, change happens in a second, and it's the second you decide and choose for, to, to change it. But you have to be, you, I think you have to have insight into what's really going on. And mm. that almost requires you to be able to step outside and view it. And, and, and objectivity is really difficult to achieve. Oh, yeah. Well, I tell people all the time, if you're part of your problem, you'll never be part of your solution. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself environments where your blind spots get exposed. It's, and I'm hearing it, I have a very, interesting friend who's a very unique uh, psychologist who only works with high-performing ADD people he calls drivens. And, <laughs> and there's two kinds. There's a contemplative driven and there's the impetuous impulsive driven. I tend to be the latter. And he'll intervene and say, and he's got really a very unique inflection to make what I'm about to say really impactful. And he'll say, why are you doing this? And he'll cause you to try to explain why you're doing it. And when you try to explain it, most of the time you have no logical answer, even if you're limited in your experience. And the only answer is, well, because that's all I know, or that's what seemed to be a good idea at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are you know, and, and I know the guy that wrote the book, Ready, Fire, Aim, and, and, and I don't dislike the theorem, but I think most people are too eager to be islands and not eager enough to really do uh, intelligence gathering research hmm. analysis before they pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. Because if you think about it, I mean, I, I learned Stacy optimization, highest and best use theory when I was young. And you can't optimize until you have a context of not everything, but of the higher performing, safer, more profitable, powerful, uh, rapid alternative ways to accomplish everything. But you can't do that 
waiting for divine intervention. You do it by preparing before you pull the trigger rather than going this way and getting this outcome and this risk. You go that way and you get this outcome and this risk, but you can't do it if you don't first, before you make an indelible commitment to a path, figuring out is that path, you know, is it got sinkholes? Is it rocky? Is it steep? Is it narrow? Is it, is it, uh, un, un, um, you know, un, uh, whatever a bowl or, I mean, and, and most people are in such a hurry to get started mm. that they don't even understand that there's almost always a higher, faster, better path to take, but they don't try to examine it, identify it, evaluate it, overlay it. Uh, and they end up, I mean, this is going to sound terrible, but uh, I think a lot of people get not just what they deserve, but what they, what they accept from themselves. Hmm. I think, I think it's because they fail to realize that there is competition out there. However, they're always their greatest competitor. And it's interesting. I like that. Yeah. And, but they're, they're, how do you, if you're going to, and, and here's what they, there's two things that people don't realize. We're competing in everything we do in every aspect of our life, career, or business, mm-hmm. and we're all on commission. If you think about that, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're on commission in every facet. If you have a significant relationship in your life, if you don't provide enough uh, fulfillment, stimulation, security, interest, you know, romance, whatever it is, then you're going to get terminated. Yeah, in in your business, if you don't provide enough value and and impact, you're not going to get the sale in your career. If you don't really, if you don't outperform somebody else that could that could take that job, you're not going to keep it, and you're certainly not going to get a promotion. Yeah. So we're all on commission, and when you realize that, it's sort of cool, and uh, and and. If we, if we look at the fact that your commission, anybody who sells on commission knows that it's a two-way street. If you don't really make stuff happen, you don't make any money. But if you make <laughs> stuff happen, you can make an unlimited amount of money. Yeah. You know, people during, during their presentations, during their buy-sell encounters, they miss the obvious. There is always a salesperson. There's always a buyer. And if the prospective client walks away not not procuring your product service or solution the roles got switched you became the buyer and they became the salesperson yeah we we have um a a a couple of really cool i've got about 40 categories of of uh geometric business growth impact factors that i've created one of them is called access denied if you're not getting the outcome you want in your business, but it can be transcended and translated to your personal life, you're being denied access, access to trust, access to belief, access to, you know, value perception, whatever it is. And if you don't understand what's being denied you, you can't really overcome it, can you? No, no, you can't. And, and that, that, that's actually a huge, huge point that I'd like to drill down some. You know, so many people accept the presenting surface level objection. You know, there's, there's really only four objections. 
Objection one is, uh, I don't have time. Objection two is, I don't have money. Objection three is, I don't believe you. And objection four is, I have no need, want, and desire for your product, service, and solution. Well, objection one and two are surface level. They're, they're known as presenting problems, time and money. Because reality is, I have a belief that people don't window shop anymore. People don't tire kick anymore. They've done that on Google. When they're standing in front of you, they have a need, want, and desire for a product, service, and solution. They're just trying to figure out with who and what specifically can solve their problem because that's all people care about. Mm -hmm. and, and what happens is, is when, when the service provider accepts the time or money objection, they, they, and they attempt to, to solve that objection, overcome that objection, it's impossible because it's not the real objection. You have to find a way to move the surface level objection away because we can't solve objections that don't exist. I agree. Because we all know it's not about time, it's about priority. And we all know it's not about money because if you want it bad enough, you're going to find a way. And if you don't, you're going to find an excuse. Yeah. yeah and no, I, I, I absolutely, this, this is, is quite, yeah, I'm loving listening to you. But I mean, I, I've, uh, I've got, a, I don't have it here. I was looking for it. But I have a friend that has analyzed all the reasons people don't take action in business. And it's fascinating, but but if if you think of, I mean, somebody said something to me one time, and this is earlier, I could amount of it. They said, if your business were a mutual fund, would you buy it? And and I thought, well, what do you mean? He goes, Well, are you even outperforming the market with your business? What kind of yield are you getting on the investment in the business? Because if you're not getting an outsized, let's call it alpha. Why would you even want the business? And most people aren't. They're basically mm -hmm. getting they're getting what they could get or less if they had a job. You know that. And That's you say, true. okay, so you're willing to sacrifice yield for freedom, I guess. But they mm -hmm. don't really understand the trade-offs. They're, you know, what they're really, what they are sacrificing for a lesser return on their investment of a life. Because yeah. that's next to you know probably. Well, that is probably singularly your business is is the biggest single investment you're going to make of I mean, how much of your time over a lifetime. If somebody's let's call it 40 today and they stay in it till they're 60, then it's, you know, what? And some of them are five days, six days, seven days a week, you know, mm -hmm. eight, 10 hours. I mean, and if you look at the compensation you're getting, we had a, a years ago, Brian Tracy did a strategy setting for me. And it was funny. He was he had people in the room and he said, OK, let's look at what you're earning now versus what you want to be earning. And do you even know? And most of them didn't. But he said, let's arbitrarily come up. You're making 100 grand. Hypothetically, you want to make three. How much do you have to earn an hour and how many hours do you want to work? Because if you don't know, then you can't really get there, can you? No. You're making $100 an hour right now and you want to make and you and you want to make 300 grand and you only want to work a maximum of 40 hours you got to make whatever 350 dollars an hour mm -hmm. what do you have to do to make your time either through the vehicle you've got through leveraging it through other products or what are you going to do you have an answer because if you don't how do you expect to get there just you know luck or 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 
because you know the fate gods are going to bestow goodness on you <laughs> so that actually takes us back to starting with the end in mind right when you brought up uh the, the the late great Stephen Covey's philosophy and you know so many people don't ever specifically know what they want they can tell us what it is they don't want they have a hard time telling us what it is they want unless they tell us ambiguously you know people tell me all the time I want to make a million dollars a year and I look at them and go so have you ever broke that down what do you need to make in a day and yeah, then how, and then how they don't know no, no. And, and then, and then I tell them, you know, look, you, you have to, you have to earn $2,383 in a day in order to make a million dollars in a year. So how now drill that down to your products? How many products do you need to sell? How many hours do you need to work? How many, and people just look at me. And so I want to go back to, to that entire concept, because this is an overwhelming theme as to why so many don't achieve what it is they need, want, and desire. And that's because they ready shooting right they spray and pray i like to say they spray and pray and they show yeah. up and throw up right so so what happens is is they want to make more money well the word more is a comparative our brain cannot pursue a comparative because once it achieves it a penny then it believes it solved the problem so we have to get very specific because our brain can only achieve specificity and then when people have the specifics of what it is they want to achieve they typically go about it the wrong way. They start where they're at and then they create a path to where they think they're going to get to where they wanna be. Whereas opposed if they take where they're at and go backwards, they'll actually come up with a more successful strategy. And that leads to the next thing. And that is so many people forget to, to operate in a dual role in their life and their business and their success because there's a strategic role and then there's the tactical implementation role. Yeah, I agree. And it's very interesting because most people have no difficulty being tactical. Mm -hmm. They have enormous difficulty being strategic. Yeah. And the problem with being tactical is that frequently, not always, but more often than not, you're episodic you're erratic and you're incongruent you just throw a bunch of mud on the wall and then you shift and you shift and you shift yeah whereas if you're strategic you only every tactic every every action you take is is designed to advance and enhance the the end game that you're playing but if you don't know the game as i said if you don't know the game you're really playing and the game you're playing isn't just well, I'm going to open every day and hope I can sell enough to stay in business. That's mm -hmm. not a very good game to play. It's not a winning game to play. It's not a superior competitive game to play. It's a it's a disadvantageous, basically reactive and uh, and and highly reverse leveraged game to play. But I mean, if you think about it and you slow down, they always said slow down to run fast. If you slow down and look at what's really going on in a business or a profession or even a career, most people have no control over their destiny. And then they're frustrated when they don't get what they want and they jump around. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated and you and I may not have within the realm of our, um, our followers or our clientele a lot of younger people, but I'm fascinated because I have a bunch of younger children, not young 
uh, under adult, but you know, 25, 35. And I watch them and their peers change jobs almost incessantly. Yeah. There's no loyalty. It's, you know, a, a year here, a year there. And they're looking for Mr. Goodbar <laughs> every way they yeah. go. And, and, and I think it's very unhealthy because there's no real commitment to anything or anyone. There's no passion for, and they tend to be not about a big mission or vision. It's very self-consumed. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's going to manifest later on in a very psychologically debilitating sort of a mindset. Yeah. Because it's purposeless. Yeah. There's no fulfillment in it. I mean, there's monetary fulfillment, but if you're jumping every 12 or 15 months, you can't really be deeply connected to purpose of the business mm -hmm. or the market they're serving, do you think? No, because I, I, I think I think the, the younger generation today has an immense amount of brilliance, mm -hmm. flexibility, and leverage just because of the environment that they've grown up with, with technology. I agree. I have, I have a 20-year-old who just solves problems instantaneously. You've met her on our coaching. I met her. She's really impressive. And, 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 and what happens, though, I think the downside, I think where baby boomers and Gen X have tools like socialization and critical thinking, I think the, the Gen Ys and the millennials um, have tools like technology and leverage. And just like we have uh, obstacles, technology and, and uh, this, this impact of social media and everything you do being an awareness, for them, it's, it's a way of life. And I think the obstacle that's created for them is the inability of socialization you know, the, the art of, or the science of communication and, and deductive critical thinking. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's very fascinating. We have some uh, people we know and a couple relatives and they spend half their day, when I say exposing themselves, I don't mean nakedly, I mean their right. privacy of their life on TikTok, mm -hmm. yeah. Instagram. And I'm going, I would never do that in my life, but it's a different mindset. I'm a very private person. I want my life to be my life. I don't really think I want to celebrate. And, and if I, I, I have some very high level, iconic friends and clients, but I don't make my public. I mean, that's a very discreet part of my life. But on the other hand, uh, the young people love to show themselves with everybody. It's just a whole different world and I, I question that that kind of a value system is going to reconcile really well with value creation. Mm, that's a really good point. Our values are our, our second most unconscious filter. And depending on the environment they grew up in will determine whether or not they have been imprinted and programmed with a value system that that will serve moving forward from a socialization and a privacy and, and, and multiple other strategies that are necessary 
to create the level of success that, that we understand. I mean, success may be redefined in future generations. Well, I think it'll have to be. But one of the things that has really fascinated and troubled me, and we're getting into a rogue discussion. <laughs> That's okay. Is that uh, I was always, what is it? Is it protect? One of the watches has a great ad that you don't really own it. You're just a custodian to the next generation. Oh, uh, that's Rolex. Uh, it doesn't matter which one, yeah. but it's one of the, and, and I believe that that's a great metaphor for what I always thought our purpose on this earth was that we're not really here just to, mm. you know, to savor it for ourselves. We're here to make it better off for those who follow and make everyone we interact with better off. But I'm not sure that some of the younger generations really sense that, mm -hmm. let's call it purpose, responsibility, privilege, that we're here to leave the world better and impact people in a meaningful way. And I don't really see as much of that as I would like. Well, you know, I mean, the, the, the good news is, is I, I'm really close to, to my youngest daughter's friends, and this is a conversation they have on a continual basis. Uh, they, they have this small circle. They have a desire to make the world a better place. They have a desire to leave relationships better off than what they met them. So it, it's funny because my, my mother, who is uh, early on in a baby boomer, okay. um, her and my daughter were having a conversation and my daughter told her, I really think that uh, it's, it's the, the mindset of the older generations that have projected uh, limiting discrimination onto the younger generations and the younger generations are attempting to rebel that. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's, and that's, I mean, what you shared about your daughter, I almost think is an anomaly rather than normalcy, but maybe mm -hmm. not. Yeah, I, I, I think that they're definitely gonna make an impact in sales. I think they're definitely gonna make an impact in business. I think they understand leveraging technology more than I do. I know that for a fact. Um, I, I'm curious to see how, how sales and success spins out in about 15, 20 years when this next generation who was born with an iPad in their hand moves yeah. forward. It'll be very fascinating. I agree. It'll be very, very fascinating. Wow. How interesting. Well, I took you on a road. No, but it's I, okay. My listeners are used to that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think one of the things I think is important is to stretch your, your sense mm -hmm. of awareness of, of uh, a spectrum of factors that impact your life, not just your limited horizon but all i mean there's all this stuff going on whether you acknowledge it or not mm -hmm. all these other realities going on all the time and the more you appreciate it the more you can harness those dynamics to your ethical advantage you know uh, i i jokingly tell people that that i went to san diego state and i got my bs and bm and it really was a bunch of bs and bm when i applied it to business However, one of the things through some of the marketing classes I took through that journey was the ability to really dig down into your demographics and really understand uh, how 
how to understand generations that you want to focus on and, and who are potentially your prospective client. And I think the science of marketing has, has shifted to the point to where people are looking for algorithms now instead of truly servicing the needs of the demographic. Yeah, and here's what's really interesting towards that or, or to that point is the algorithmic driven uh, marketing world, which is the Facebook, the mm -hmm. Instagram, people don't realize they only really address in their optimal sense, one part of the whole picture. Yep. I mean, I mean, if you say, you know, I mean, I have a couple of really big clients and they're all really proud because they can generate a buyer from, um, from uh, Facebook and they've gotten the acquisition cost of the buyer down 30% by mm -hmm. optimizing. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's all cool, but have you analyzed differentiation and variability? And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I don't believe all of anything is the same. It's not one size fits all. There might be one buyer that's five times more profitable. There might be one buyer that uh, you know buys a whole different um, portfolio of product services. There might be one buyer that buys 10 years instead of, you know, 10 minutes. And they're not all worth the same aggregate three. Someone I would be worth a thousand dollar acquisition cost because they're 10 times more profitable. And some might be worth less than the 300. And if all you look at is the algorithm saying, this is the most profitable way to generate a generic buyer, then you're really sub-optimizing the whole concept behind the algorithm. Yeah, and I'd like to take that a step further. Reality is, I have a belief that if you ever want the outer to work, your sales, your marketing, your closing statistics, all of that, you have to do the inner work because you're the common denominator in every, every interaction. And if you're attracting people and that itty bitty shitty committee constantly gets in the way, then they're never going to be able to make that connection, you know, because HeartMath did a study that no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're thinking, you're projecting it out into a 13 foot radius, you know, I, and I'm bringing this up because I want to go back to the energy doctor. You're, you're projecting it out to a 13 foot radius. People don't know what's going on. They don't know why they're not connecting with you. They don't know why something's not right, but something becomes not right and they don't move forward buying. So you really wanna make sure that you understand you're your number one competitor. And a big portion of that is because of the way you were imprinted, the way you were programmed. Yeah, and, no, no, that, that's great. and that impacts your energy. That's great. It's a, very, it's a great point. I think that the bottom line of what we're saying is that any entrepreneur, business owner, professional, sales professional, you have a lot more uh, control of your of your outcome, a lot more leverage in what you do, a lot more, um, a lot more yield you can get, and a lot more fulfillment that's possible if you understand that. I mean, again, it's it, what I love about this this reverting back to uh, physics or quantum physics is that there are drivers behind everything, mm. and very little deviation. It's immutable. 
Yeah. And, and all you have to do to really liberate yourself from the morass of limitations is understand these forces and factors that drive almost everything. And the almost, the only mitigating factor is there are acts of God that you have no control over. Yeah. But yeah. even that, with exception of physical, even in industries, you have the ability to harness hindsight, hmm. foresight, and insight and see where things are going. So it's somewhat, I mean, even rapidly changing disruptive industries, they're not glacier-like, but they're also not, it's not, uh, it's not like a, 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 uh, you know, a, um, uh, you know, a great big uh, piece of a, of a, of a, uh, a piece of space metal hits the earth and shocks us into the ice age. It happens over a period of time, not necessarily years, but long enough that if you're really monitoring and you're very proactive, you have the ability to either prepare, protect, you know, pivot, but most people don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, if people want to get trends and, and make predictions, they absolutely can look hindsight at their industry and history. And I also recommend looking at your family because your, your past with your, your significant adult figures who, who raised you they helped write that computer operating system called your brain that drives your ability to move forward. And if they struggled, then you either modeled that struggle or you reverse modeled that struggle. If they had a negative money mindset, then you're either going to model it or reverse model it. So hindsight goes not only towards our industry, but it also goes to our, our, our upbringing. Yeah, no, that's very profound. Uh, it's interesting. Well, I mean, I think that this is a really interesting uh, conversation and the points you're bringing up are very, uh, they're, they're stimulating, but I think uh, you have a, uh, a core of people who I suspect are on a path to outperform their contemporaries because they understand that they have control of their destiny and that they have free will. I mean, you talk about psychology and things. I'm not a Skinnerian. I don't believe that we don't have free will. Right. You I know, don't either. Yeah. I believe we have total control. And the only right. aberration is there's these, you know, in our lives, there's two 98% of what happens to us in all facets are within our control. 2% are acts of God, you know, tragedies, you know, uh, you know, whatever the cause of, of, you know, of, you know, the coronavirus and, mm -hmm. you know, and birth defects and those things are quite tragic. But if you back that out, 98% are within our power and they're within our power to alter anytime we want. Yeah. And it's not as hard as it seems. It's just, we get, I think, between intimidated, lazy, scared, complacent, um, fatalistic yeah we have to we have to try to transcend those feelings don't you think 
Yeah, I, absolutely. I think all of that has to do with our wiring, our programming, and so many people attempt to deploy a program that was written 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. That would be equivalent to opening up a Motorola Flip today and trying to- <laughs> I love it. That's great. No, it's good. And trying to get your pictures. So uh, welcome to the signature question of our show, Jay. And that is, what does selling without selling mean to you? Uh, it's really interesting. One of my early mentors was a brilliant man. He built a company uh, uh, that became three times more successful than their closest competitor and five times more profitable and easily two or three times more prestigious. And he used to have a phrase that most people think that to get someone to buy something, you have to be able to know the right things to say and the right, and the right phrases or the right scripts or the right this. And he said, it's really not that. All you have to do is know how to create and, con and convey so much value that it's irresistible. And I think it's, 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 but then here's where it becomes really uh, not challenging, but interesting, Stacey. You have to have a context of understanding of what true value means to the other side. Mm -hmm. And most people don't. I did one time six hours of exploration with somebody on what value creation means because most people don't know what you value and what I value can be diametrically different. Even we might have the same values, but our definitions are different. Yeah. We might yeah. have the same definitions, but our reference frames are different. I can go on and on, yeah. and, you know, into infinity. But if you don't try to get alignment with what the other side sees value as and their reference frame and how it correlates in their mind, and, and then you can't possibly optimize the inner inner uh, relationship. Yeah, yeah. That's my so, answer. No, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So welcome to the random round. I believe that success leaves clues. So I like to ask questions of my guest experts so that our listeners can extract whatever resonates with them. And my random round question to you is what does your morning ritual look like? Um, I would say that you should ask what did it look like versus what it is today. Okay. I'm a terribly indulgent ADD person. And <laughs> when I'm really focused, I get up, I spend uh, time formulating what the rest of the day is going to entail. Mm -hmm. I spend time trying to make sure that I'm aware of what's going on in my world. I uh, have a lot of coffee, <laughs> a lot of coffee. And and I usually do some practice or exercise designed to open my brain so it'll be receive, receiving more possibilities. Hmm. And I, uh, I try to reflect, one of the things that I think most people don't do, and I'm pretty good at it, but not as good as I used to be, in any interact, well, we'll use this one. So anytime you interact with anyone for any reason, there are different dynamics that are occurring. Mm -hmm. And the and interaction can be direct and live and it can be vicarious. You can be watching 
uh, a new show or a, a, or a Netflix or uh, reading, or it's, but you're reacting. And so what I try to do when I am disciplined is after every interaction, trying to recognize what impacted me about that in two different realms, the other side and myself, what did I really, what did I find most compelling or repugnant about things that happened, I read, I watched, uh, that interacted? What did I love about it that I want to incorporate and appropriate for myself? Mm -hmm. Stylistically, words, you know, uh, mannerisms, questions. What did I find that I absolutely want to make sure I never incorporate? What were, what's my feeling after doing this? And I try to write it down and make it a prisoner forever because we're being pounded so rapidly and and expansively by so much stimulus that we don't remember much of anything that ever happens and if you force yourself to reflect then it's anticlimactic the, the great profound benefit that can occur from every interaction live or otherwise is lost and that's a great leverage i try to do that i try to say okay what happened yesterday i go through my calendar it's because it, i i have totally diverse uh, portfolio of clients. I have all these things happening. It's bam, 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 bam. And I remember very little unless I force myself to re-reflect hmm. yesterday. What did I learn? What was the big point? What would I really enjoy? What did I feel I did less than stellar? You know, what could I have done to be better in that? Can't, again, can't rewind, but what will I do differently when that scenario is recurring? What did I love about what I did? What could I have prepared better? And if you ask a lot of those questions, you get some really intriguing answers. Yeah, I agree. I love that. So that's what I try to do. I don't always do it as diligently. When I was younger, I was very manual, not in computers weren't that big, but I would every night before I'd stop working, make a list of everything I was trying to accomplish and what, what I did, everything I needed to accomplish in the morning and what my priority was and I try to allocate time before I went uh, off to my personal life. And then when I woke up in the morning, I'd re-review it and see if I still believe the same way. It was, a, it was an arduous process, mm -hmm. very, very productive. I love it. I love it. The, the more we expand the way we think and look at things, the, the more we can grow and evolve and have more tools to, to really take on our next level. So thank you for sharing that, that ritual. Yeah, you're welcome. And I think that we have to realize reality is dynamic. It's not the same in any frequency. Yeah. So what you would seem like what you should be doing at five o'clock today may not be the same when you wake up at, I mean, I find myself fascinated because I have constantly expansive perspectives on everything I'm doing all the time. And I go, oh, it's so interesting that that insight wasn't evident when I was working on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, and, and it's just, and if you, if you allow yourself to be not tormented, but constantly iterating and evolving everything you're doing, it's pretty interesting. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's so, my answer. I love your answer. So Jay, thank you so much for being on today's show. Uh, if our listeners want to find you, reach out to you, where, how can they follow you? We've got two websites. We've got one for smaller businesses that's abraham university it's got a lot of cool things for them and i have a website abraham.com that's got 
Jesus, I don't know, 800 different resources we give away for no opt-in and it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty expansive. And, and we've got a podcast that's very eclectic. In fact, I'll probably take your recording and put it on it because I liked it. We take mm-hmm. other interviews and put them on our own. It's, uh, it's called The Ultimate Entrepreneur and it's got, I don't know, 300 different episodes on it. None of them sell anything, no advertising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of ways. Awesome. Thank you. I'll make sure all that ends up in the show notes. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15 minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.